The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. the 182nd episode of Social Suplexes Podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite with me today. I got my special guest, our contributor. He's pretty much a member of the team, justifiably ravishing Perez. How you doing, JR? I'm doing great, Floyd. It's good to be on uh, All Things Elite with you. It's been a minute, uh, you know, the when you're in the academic year and uh working at university you you know sometimes you get uh, a little too busy and you can't enjoy the fire things of life and you know i definitely enjoy talking to you so i'm glad i was able to uh be able to find dig out some time for us to discuss aw so basically anytime me and jr are podcasting this is just a two-hour window into our ever go everlasting 100 all the time podcast our life is pretty much like a podcast. We talk to each other and comment on everything. So y'all get to get a glimpse into this. And because it's JR, we are, I'm going, and JR is my angry friend. I love it. Because, you know, you know, uh, you remember on Key and Peele, they had Barack Obama's anger translator, and it was the Rock Obama. Right? Yeah, yes. Yes. So you're my anger translator. Because I am a very, for the most part, very calm, nice person. I'm always going to try to put the spin on anything. The proclivity of positivity. I did not steal that from anywhere. I literally came up with that uh, saying because I'm such a positive person. So sometimes I need JR on here to translate that anger for me. And you'll hear because I, I just won't disagree with them. And that's how you'll know I agree. But uh, before we get started, make sure you're downloading the fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating review if you're so inclined. You can follow us on at AT Elite Pod, at Social Suplex. Uh, my regular co-host, at Austin Sumowitz, who will be back next week. Uh, and at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Uh, JR, where can they follow you? So I am also on Twitter. Um, I have a little small group of followers. It's at Lucha Professor. Uh, Lucha is kind of a loose translation to wrestling and a professor because I am I work in higher education as a full time coordinator and part time professor. So that's why it's Lucha Professor for those of you who didn't know. Then there is the story. So the news <laughs> of the week, 
No news of the week. It's a uh, simple news. It's just going to be we haven't done a show. This is probably one of the longer period of times we haven't went without we've went without a show. Just kind of kind of want to let you know why. First of all, uh last week uh Austin, you know, Austin works where he works. He works in TV and he keeps crazy hours and he is one of the hardest working people I know. Uh usually he can uh get out a little time to be on the show, but occasionally his day just gets away from him and he's exhausted. And Austin's one of those people. If he can't give a hundred percent, he'd rather not show up. I respect that about him. So the week before last, uh, we couldn't do the show. And, uh, this week, um, yeah, this week it's very, very, very positive weekend, uh, week weekend on Sunday, February 12th. Um, uh, which so you know is Super Bowl Sunday, and I call the Chiefs Invitational Game because they're always there. Um, yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs, my Kansas City Chiefs, became your reigning, defending, undisputed Super Bowl Fifty Seven champions, beating the vaunted, the talented. The unstoppable Philadelphia Eagles, 38 to 35. Excellent performance by Jalen Hurts. I caps off to that dude. I honestly, if you gave me an MVP vote of the game, as much as I like Patrick Mahomes, my MVP would have been Jalen Hurts. Uh, three touchdowns, rushing, one passing, just a crazy game. Uh, Chiefs are down 10 points at halftime. Uh, miraculous comeback uh, to take the lead. Uh, Philly comes back and ties it up. Chiefs are driving down with about five minutes left. Uh, they get to a third and seven, and I believe it was about at around the twenty. I'm not, I'm not Sports Center, so you're not getting exacts here. Uh, they ran a play, and Charles, uh, Charles Gardner, Johnson, uh, no Bradbury, huh? Oh, it was, it was Bradbury. James, James Bradbury, James Bradbury, excuse me, James Bradbury. Uh, Grabbed uh, Juju Smith-Schuster's jersey, and a hold was called, and that was an automatic first down. Chiefs kick a field goal. The Eagles get the ball with, like, seven seconds left, and, of course, they can't convert that into anything. The Chiefs win the title. Uh, there was a lot of controversy on whether the hold should have been called. I'm gonna get, We're going to do a smidgen, a smidgen of football talk. Smidgen of football talk. J.R., in your expert opinion, your expert opinion, I mean, you watch as much football as I do. We watch a lot of football. Should the flag have been called? Um, no, don't base it on anything you heard after the game. Just based on that moment, where was your mind at? In the in the moment, I because of what I what they were showing, I didn't think it warranted a flag. Um uh, so yeah, it was it's it was unfortunate that because of the the way the game had progressed and you get down to that point and the flag start, which essentially sealed the game, you know, you know about ninety eight percent probability that the teams are going to win on the walk off field goal. I just didn't see anything at that moment that would be like, yes, the flag should have been thrown. So what I'm going to say is, uh, easy for me to say now that my team has won. But I had this in the moment on, I was Facebook posting at all and in the moment. The Chiefs are a very physical 
defensive team, right? Very physical. So I tend to prefer the refs to keep the whistles in their pocket unless it's blatant. So even in my initial, I'm like, even in my initial, it was holding. By the definition of the word holding, it was holding. Do I want the ref calling that at that particular time? Absolutely not. I will tell you this, and this is what I always try to do when trying to come up with a middle ground, is I flip the script. If that is A.J. Brown going, right, and our cornerback, uh, you know, does exactly what was done to them, and they call him a holding, and in essence, whether... We won't, you know, I'm very big on one play never costing the game, but in essence, clinching the game for the Chiefs. I don't like it. I wouldn't want him to call it. As a Chiefs fan, I'm very happy he called it. But I do personally think if we scored or whatever, our defense would have held them, right? I do. I be, Our defense had played immaculate in the second half, so... I truly think our defense would have held. It is easy for me to say. We'll never know. But, yes, I will always prefer them to call a whistle. But if you, but I will say this. If the referee is supposed to be an impartial third party, a person that is judging the rules, they shouldn't take time. They shouldn't take plays. They shouldn't take anything to account. If it's a hold, you should call a hold. If it's a hold in the first quarter, you should call it in the fourth. If that's how you look at referees. But referees are human. And they know what everything means. And yes, I would like them to take into account that that first down clinches the game. But they're not necessarily going to. Rule of the the law, he held. Rule of the law. But, you know, I would have liked it not to be called. Also, oh, okay, yes. No, I was going to say, like, you know, now after the fact, you know, when you have a million cameras that are on during the Super Bowl. You have mic'd up. You have, you know, post post game interviews. James Bradbury admitted that he was that he held Juju McShuster that he grabbed his jersey. He said, I did grab it. I wish, you know, I hope that they didn't call it, but they did. Um, you know, I think that was, you know, tremendous, I mean, for lack of a better word, sportsmanship to admit that, like, hey, I did this because I think most people would have just been like, I didn't do this. I didn't grab it. But I think that was, you know, I didn't agree with the call. Some people say asinine things. He had to say that because if not, he was going to be fine. That's not true. It's, you know, I know that the NFL and, and all our sports, like you question officials, it's just the way you do it. If he says, I didn't agree with the call, there's no issue. Warrants a fine. So that to me, I think was insane when, when I started reading comments that people said, well, he had to say that he didn't have to say anything in general. The next thing is, you know, there is actually better footage that has came out since then that actually shows that James Bradbury had like a full grip on his jersey, like when they broke. And I was listening to a, I believe it was Gene. Uh, I can't think of it. I can't say his last name. Serator. Yeah, from CBS, and he was saying if, and I'm trying to say this, you know, word for word, um, through through recollection is that Bradbury, when he he's squares up with Juju, he's almost already out of position because there's things that receivers try to do when they line up, like to cut the cornerback in half 
or the whoever the cover man is in half. So that way you're not like directly like shoulder to shoulder with him with the you know I, I see this a lot with like cooper cup as a rams fan you try to do these certain things to like have like a bite on the position and so he said when this happens the because of this reason bradbury is out of position so when juju takes off basically badbury is almost beat already and this is probably why he grabbed a jersey because he was beaten um now, the last part of it is with that, and some people say, like, well, you shouldn't throw a holding on that. I said, well, wait a minute. If Juju breaks clean and he gets into the end zone, how do you not know that that ball isn't a touchdown? Now, what if that I hole mean, prevented yeah. a touchdown? It, it absolutely did. It's actually, you know what's so funny? I was listening to Mr. Rich Lada and James Boyd on the One Nation radio on the Social Suplex they made a great point that I I hadn't heard ever, otherwise. I'm not saying no one said it. I just hadn't heard it myself. That for his team, it was better if um, Bradbury just didn't do anything. Because if he scores the touchdown, the Eagles get the ball back. Isn't that crazy to think about? Oh, yeah. I mean, no. And that's true because if you look at the defensive holding happens automatic first down and the next play Kansas city gets uh Philadelphia gets the ball. I mean, excuse me, Kansas city has the ball first, first and 10 at whatever it was. And I don't know. I can't remember if it was McKinnon or if it was Isaiah Pacheco, he goes to the end. He starts running every Eagle defender gets away because they want him to score a touchdown because that way the Eagles have a minute plus to try to go down the field to tie it up to score a touchdown with one timeout left. I the running back knowing this goes down at the one yard line, forcing them to call their last timeout, which then two as we know, two kneel downs later, they kick a they kick a field goal with seven seconds left. So um you're right. I mean if he was beaten, he would have been better off letting him the ball, I mean, it's kind of iffy if it was a catchable ball. If it wasn't, the ball was kind of heading a little bit out of bounds. But as you know, a lot of receivers, I'll go back to this one. Uh, Santonio Holmes in Super Bowl, I think 42 was against, you know, Arizona. He catches a ball that makes no sense, does a double toe tap at the corner of the end zone to basically have the game winning touchdown. So who knows what would have happened? So on that side, if you think about that in the sense, if he has a clean break because he wasn't held and is able and is able to go into the end zone, maybe he catches it, maybe he doesn't. And I know we say that like, oh, we don't want the game to end like that. Well, the Chiefs didn't want the game to end that way either because they're obviously trying to score a touchdown. Well, I and I do want to say shout out to uh, all the Eagles fans that took their L which in stride. Uh, big, uh, big, I, a big, whatever to all the, uh, uh, all the, uh, Philadelphia Eagles fans that said the chiefs were given the game because I will say this, and this is not flexing the Kansas city chiefs scored on every possession in the second half. If your defense steps up one time, one time and gets one stop in the second half, we're not having this conversation. Just think about that. 
that football is a 60-minute game. Not one play ever cost the game. There was a bunch of other plays before that could cost you the game. I did not like that the hold was called. I actually agree with you. But come on. We weren't given the game. <laughs> like there was 35 other points scored. We weren't given the game. You know what I mean? So I, I just hated that. The idea that we were given the game that bothered me. Because, yeah. I mean, at, at and I would add to this in sports in general, whether it's the 48 minutes of a NBA basketball game, 60 minutes of an NFL game, nine innings of baseball, 90 minutes in soccer and so on and so forth. You have this time to where you have to score and prevent scoring. There is anybody who understands a sport, their respected sport, will say one play doesn't decide a game. It's a culmination of that. And you can look at, well, wait a minute. What about the situation where Jalen Hurts fumbled the ball that turned into a, a, a defense touchdown for Kansas City? What about the the, the Super Bowl record punt return by Kadarius Toney? What about the scoring on scoring three touchdowns every single on the first three drives by Kansas City in the second half? You let them score three touchdowns. What about the, the second fumble return? that we ran back for a touchdown that they called back and said it wasn't a catch. Yeah. Then, you know, from then the next thing, what about when you had the ball and then you scored and you only kicked the field goal to go up by six instead of maybe going up by 10? What about when you get the ball back that's down a, by that, one? That's enough what about. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, so, you know what I'm doing? I'm sorry. That's my Emmanuel Acho uh, impression. Who at Manuel Atcher, who's on Fox Sports One, does does something very similar. That's my impression. But I mean, obviously, I made my point. So you gotta do it. You gotta do what you gotta do in the, in the time. And you know, unfortunately, you can't leave that. And this, so you know, they say that the same thing. And as a UFC fan, never leave it up to a referee or a judge to to put you in that position. Absolutely, finish the game, finish the person. But Philadelphia was way better than I thought. I will tell anyone. I told Jr. Everybody, we were gonna smash Philadelphia. There was no doubt in my mind. We were going to crush Philadelphia. They didn't have any thing for us. They had never seen an offense like mine. Ours at Kansas City, I was wrong, whatever. But I wasn't as wrong as I could have been. Because when every, and let me tell you, I got nervous. Because literally every expert picked the Eagles. I had never seen that as much in a Super Bowl that is evenly matched. Every expert picked the Eagles. Uh, the Kansas City pulled it out. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, I, I, you know what? If you ever want to go to my Twitter or my Facebook, I talked way more crap after we won than I am right now. Much more calm. But man, Patrick Mahomes is him. You know, Carmelo Anthony, uh, Carmelo, uh, Carmelo on uh, NXT claims to be him. Mahomes is him. You take your stats, you take your trends, you turn them some bitches sideways and stick them up your candy ass because they don't apply to my homes. And the reason all of this long-windedness and talk about football, which I'll make sure, J-Ro, shout out to you. I'll make sure you get your time stamp on when you can skip. Uh, led to me, uh, in 2020, there was a snowstorm in Kansas City, so I wasn't able to make it up there, but I was able to go to my first ever championship parade. I went to Kansas City. I left Oklahoma City at 10 p.m., got to downtown Kansas City at 3.30 a.m., parked, 
uh, stayed there. The parade started at noon. The the rally started at one forty five. It's let me say this. Three things about going to parades. One, never go alone. The biggest reason you don't go alone, I did go alone, but the really biggest reasons you don't go alone is you get there early enough to get a good spot, but eventually you're going to get hungry, have to pee, something. Guess what? You don't have anyone to save your spot, so always take somebody with you. Second of all, um, second of all, wear gloves. It was really cold. I should have brought gloves. That's on me. Uh, I also ended up buying a $40 hat, but no one was selling gloves. Uh, third of all, uh, the idea of a championship parade is amazing in Florida. It's amazing in California uh, in any other warm weather place. But in 30-something degrees in Kansas City, not something I'm ever going to do again. It's going to have to be 60 or higher, and I add chances of it being 60 or higher in Kansas City, Missouri, in, uh, in uh, February, <laughs> nothing. That's just not going to happen. So I am likely, unless someone like asked me to go with them, that was likely my last championship of experience. I don't know if any of you went to high schools that had good sports teams. Uh, just remember your high school pep rally. And, you know, you'd have the principal talk, the teachers talk, blah, blah, blah. And then the star athlete get up there and talk. And that's what everybody came to see. And they'd have a bunch of dance celebrations and everything like that. That's basically what a championship celebration is. Now, I've seen them on TV and I probably could have parsed it. But what they do on TV and the Internet is they do a really good job of filtering out the boring parts. And also... Generally, when you're watching on the internet, you have something else on and you can do other things. So while the owner is droning on and the president is droning on, you're doing other things so you're not paying attention. But when you're in this crowd with a million people, the internet and service on your phone does not work. So you're literally standing there with people breathing on you, having to listen to these people bore you for 45 minutes so you could get... 15 minutes of actual entertaining, which, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Tra uh, Travis Kelsey did not disappoint. And then you drive home. So was it worth the 10-hour drive to say I did it? Absolutely. I love new experiences in life. That was one. Was it worth the 10-hour drive to ever do again? No. But that's why we didn't do a show Tuesday because I was driving to Kansas City. That was a long way of saying Everything I just said is that, yeah, we didn't get a Tuesday night show because I was in Kansas City uh, and I was on my way to Kansas City and I had a really good time. It's been fun. Uh, big thing is I have been working out all year and I'm not going to talk about this a lot because I don't want to be one of those guys, but I've been working out all year and I was telling JR I had a serious moment of pride yesterday because I was up on my feet for seven hours, eight hours. And you'd think with all the fan fests, my body would be used to it, but it's not. Generally, when I go to one of those things, I'm usually like sitting on my ass for the next two days because I was sore. I did everything yesterday, came home today, was not sore at all to the point where I actually got my workout in today. That I feel like that's my first big W on my uh, journey of living a healthier life. Because, good Lord, JR would tell you, I would be complaining for days about how sore I am after standing up. And the fact that I'm not today is like a big old, big old W. So, 
Yes. Did you did you watch any of the parade? Um, I saw some clips. Uh, I really enjoy. I'm, I'm I've always been a fan of his because it all start. I'll say this quickly story. I remember a game that Kansas City Chiefs played with uh, Travis Kelsey. I got thrown out of a game because he got flagged. I think twice. Uh, I one of them was a pers- uh, personal foul that he didn't agree with, and then he actually went a flag. The la- the second flag was thrown. He grabbed his towel and threw it at the ref, which then got him ejected, which I thought was the greatest thing I've ever seen. So I'm a huge, I really do like Travis Kelsey a lot. Um, I respect him as a player for what he does for the, you know, on the field. So I got a chance to listen to some of the stuff he did. And then I really enjoyed Patrick Mahomes, uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, videos of him being uh, turned up on that parade because quarterbacks, quarter quarterbacks that are, have been drinking and celebrating are some of the funniest things because you typically don't see them that way. So with my boy Matt Stafford last year, uh, after my after my team won, and then this year Patrick Mahomes is just straight comedy. So I really enjoyed seeing Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, being in, in full of spirits and enjoying, uh, you know, his victory. Oh, so I did see the coolest thing that I saw is that that man named Travis Kelsey had a crowd full of mostly Caucasian people, and he made them say, ah, na-na-na-na. Not just once, like five times. I have not seen a person make someone say, ah, na-na-na-na, since Cody Rhodes and his uh, No Limit-inspired shirt that he had. So I thought that was really, really fun. It was just Travis Kelsey was like, what can I get these people to say? And he had them saying, uh, na, 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 na. Cause he was saying, hell yeah. Like stone cold. You could tell he was a wrestling fan. Uh, Mahomes never took off his WWE title. Not once. So you could tell he's a wrestling fan. He's making them say, you know, hell yeah. And it's just like, ah, oh, hell yeah. It's boring. Let me make them say, ah, na, 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 na. And it was funny. It was hilarious. And you could see the 40 year old people, cracking up at the idea that this big crowd of people were quoting uh master p during uh a wrestling celebration so that's crazy uh all right so that's enough of our football talk i don't know how much time has passed but j roll i will get the time stamp for you now it is time that we are going to cover last night's aew uh from uh laredo uh february 15 2023 this is probably the earliest we've ever did a review for a show so so you gonna get some piping hot takes and i haven't listened to any other review so all thoughts will be my thoughts and my thoughts only um yeah championship fight night um show began with the graphic paying tribute to mr jerry jarrett r.i.p jerry jarrett uh i grew i since i grew up in oklahoma uh, I always said I Oklahoma was the perfect breeding stock for a wrestling fan. Not because we were Southern and stupid. No, 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 no. I mean, that didn't hurt, but not that reason. It's because because we were in the central part of the United States, we got world class. We got wrestling from Memphis. We got uh, WWF. And we got Crockett. All the, all the syndicated broadcast shows had uh, a presence in Oklahoma City. So I saw it all, right? And I saw Jerry Lawler and 
And I remember, uh, you know, I had heard the name Jerry Jarrett, uh, uh, Jerry Jarrett, you know, most of my life as, you know, somebody that was important. And, you know, my brother, he read the magazines and stuff. So he talked about that kind of stuff. And then, but I knew this guy, one of my, uh, one of my, uh, like first prospects that I was like, oh my God, he's going to be the guy. And his name was Jerry Jarrett's son, Jeff. J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T. And yeah, I grew up more with Jeff Jarrett in my life uh, through his three or four, at this point, four decades of wrestling. So I grew up with Jeff and him being, you know, the heir apparent. And so, yeah, without Jerry, it's not my time and impact. Not my, all the stuff that Jeff's done doesn't happen without Jerry. And Jerry was um, Jerry Lawler's partner in Memphis for a long time. So he was a significant part of of uh, southern wrestling history or wrestling history in general uh so he will be missed i know some people don't there's people out there that don't have the greatest things to say as far as the business side but for me who is just a fan i have nothing but fond memories of jerry jared jr uh you know i have i was kind of born after i was born after the heyday but as i one of my hobbies that i love is studying um old wrestling the territory days and you know jerry if you ever get a chance please watch memphis heat it's a documentary about memphis wrestling it talks kind of about the origins of memphis wrestling um and it goes into kind of jerry jared's rise to prominence and creating um the cwa continental wrestling association and i mean everybody from ravishing rick rude um studying steve austin Bobby and you know Cactus Jack, Jerry Lawler. I mean, a who's who went through Memphis wrestling. Jerry, Jerry, Jarrett. I don't know if really gets the credit um, that he deserves for creating for what he did in Memphis wrestling. And Memphis wrestling, I mean, was the the you know the last survivor of the territory wrestling, and he really is a, a legend of professional wrestling, a legend both on screen and behind the screen. Um, you know, the father of, of Jeff Jarrett. So um, it's, you know, it, it definitely is a big loss in the in professional wrestling because of what he meant to uh, just the history of professional wrestling. So, um, yeah, it, it was sad to see. My heart goes out to the Jarrett family. Um, and, you know, really just so much respect, which we'll get into um, when the opening match, but so much respect to Jeff, Jeff Jarrett, who... Uh, came out in in honor of his father and you know from my understanding uh w- that conrad thompson broke on one of his podcasts that um jerry's widow um like demanded that jeff wrestle and said that your father jerry would want you to wrestle because the show must go on so i'm not saying it word for word but something to that effect so i mean that's just shows tremendous you know heart and um you know from Jeff Jarrett to be able to do that. Cause I could tell you if, if I was in his position, there's no way you'd be able to get me out there in front of every, from all, that crowd. Yes. Um, yeah. And especially, I mean, from what I understand him and his dad never like really like you've heard with wrestling parents that they had a falling out. They really never did. You know, I, I'm like, I imagine they had, you know, their, their father and son, they've had disagreements, but it never seemed like it was a big blow up and they hated each other. If someone knows more than me, just just DM me just directly at Floyd Johnson Jr. and let me know and educate me. But I had never heard of it. So uh, 
Well, uh, I could go through the whole match, but I'm not. I'm just going to go with the last segment. Caster planted Jay White while Sanjay ran directly into the orange punch from Cassidy. Caster had Sanjay set up for the scissor me timbers, but Jared knocked down daddy ass. Orange Cassidy blasted Jeff Jarrett off the ring apron. Bowens dropped the leg with the scissor me timbers on Sanjay Dutt and pinned him. Uh, and then outside waiting were uh, those guns, the AEW World Tag Team Champions, the guns. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was one of my disappointments about missing. I didn't really give a lot of my thoughts on that. I'll probably end the show with a few thoughts on the guns winning the tag belts since the tag team division. I consider it's like my division. It's the division that means the most to me. So, yeah, me and JR will, as we wrap up, give our thoughts on them being the tag champs. But what did you think about this match, sir? You know, um, it was a fine multi-man match. I, I think it was one of those positions where the acclaim had to get some of their uh, get some of their shine back from you know losing the titles the week before. Absolutely, you know, and 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 they got back on uh, on trap. I honestly thought that they would be moving into somewhat of a different direction than the guns. I like that they had the guns outside to keep that story tight. Uh, you know, uh, I was listening to FTR at Dax and he just says he feels like it's likely that, uh, you know, the claimed are going to win the tag belts back. Personally, I think that's boring. I, I, I do. I would love the rest of the year be the epic quest for the claim to try to get their titles back and they keep falling up short, falling up short. And then maybe at like. They guarantee they're going to win their title backs, uh, titles back before the end of the year. And whoever the tag team champions is, be it the guns or whatever, uh, the last day, like New Year's Evil, like if it's close to New Year's Eve, they say, hey, you get one more chance at winning the titles back. And that's when the claim win it. That's the, that's the kind of stories I like in my tag team division. You know, uh, I had a, a guy named Sir Sam, and we were actually going to talk about it le- uh, later. And we're going to talk about it later, but he's saying AEW's missing something. So we're going to talk about that later so we can get JR's thoughts. Uh, the next match, uh, my personal match of the show. And once you see who's in it, you'll just be like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Match of the show. Texas Tornado tag match. The Black Bull Combat Club. We had ROH World Champion Claudio Castagnoli and John Moxley versus La Faction Ignoble. Ingo Noble. I had I know how to say it. Every other time. How many times have I said it right to you, JR? I have no idea. And to be honest with you, even I mean It's as Ingo a... Bernable. It's Ingo Bernable. I know that. I've said it a hundred times wrong, but at that moment I could not find the words. Weird. But I still I I have a speech issue, so I still have trouble saying it. Now uh Preston Vance and Loosh. Uh again, uh there was some blood. Uh Preston Vance got eat a little you got a little even with Moxley and busted him wide open. There was a lot of spots where Claudio and Roosh were teasing going up against each other. So I'm thinking uh going outside the box that Claudio might be um uh Claudio and Roosh might be the match at uh ROH Super Show. Sir, well, I'm, I'm getting an echo from you. Did you do something different with your? No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know what's going on. Is uh, it so bad? Can you still hear something? I can still hear me. 
I don't, and I don't like me. So no, I'm just kidding. But but I, 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 as much as I like to talk, I don't like the sound of my own voice. Uh, Claudio, uh, um, let's see, we were getting in a second. Claudio speared Rouge, but Vance broke up the pin at the last possible moment. Rouge chopped uh, at Claudio while Claudio returned fire with European uppercuts. Vance used the chain. Uh, Vance used the chain. Uh, it says Vance used the chain on Vance, but it was uh, <laughs> Mox used the chain on Vance and made him submit with an armbar. Uh, Hangman Page was watching Mox on the monitor backstage. Before we get to happen, what that happened there? What did you think of this match? It was a very fun, very violent match. I liked it. Um, one of the things is, from what I'm hearing. And from what I see with my own two eyes, as well as, as how much people are getting behind Roosh, he has a phenomenal look. I mean, he looks great. He looks like a million dollars. Um, I talk about all the time the importance of, you know, with the Hispanic market, having a a top-level, you know, Hispanic star. Roosh definitely fits that building with his presentation. Um, and I think the more you get him on, and then I think also in to, with that Preston Vance, because when you think of AEW, you think about a younger generation, you think about a youth movement, and Preston Vance fits that as somebody that they brought in in the infancy of AEW that they wanted to build and put him into a position where eventually he would, you know, be a role player a few years down the line. And I think, you know, we're seeing that. So I enjoy this match. I enjoy what, um, what, it represented for all four men involved. Um, got a question. Uh, I saw this come up. A friend of mine asked this. Does AEW lean on or have too much blood? I do think so. Um, you know, one of the things is when you look at, you know, I don't think wrestling is a complicated thing. I'll try to say as quickly as possible. Wrestling is, I think is very simplistic. And when you do things like, for example, like a cage match, when you do a cage match, like how AW's done it, it's a big deal. Like, you know, oh my, this is like, oh, this is a big rivalry blow off. That's how wrestling should be. Blood, when used appropriate, appropriately, makes a match feel like even more like violent, even more like the importance of it just grows. Um, I really think of some of the, you know, so I'm trying to think of some of the matches in my head, but like, you know, HBK, some when he did it, I remember he had this feud with um, Triple H. And, you know, when that happened and when Triple H would do it, it's just like, oh man, this is like, this is personal. Mox is getting to the point where it's just, it's becoming like a, a weekly thing almost. And when you do it, you normalize it, which makes it no longer special and it becomes almost in some ways almost comical. It's like, oh, there he is again. He's doing it. He's he's getting blood again. It's just so I just think it's it's unnecessary. Is it gonna make me stop watching? No, but I do think, you know, those moments should be reserved for for bigger deals. I mean, you just if you go back look at the history of AEW, think about it when, you know, the spots when, you know, not I don't want to say like a homer, but when Cody did it, like it will seem like a big deal, like when when he did it. I um uh, I couldn't agree more. Um it's to me it's a minor complaint 
because I prefer my wrestling physical and violent, and on sometimes the unwanted, uh, unwanted side effect of that is blood. But I do believe it doesn't feel special anymore. Uh, when I was watching the match last night, I didn't. When they bled, I didn't even think about it. I was just watching it, and it was just like, okay, they're going, and it's over. Like, it didn't even register with me that it was blood because it happened so much. It's nothing new. It took a friend of mine asking, saying they bled too much for me to think, oh, yeah, the reason and the reason I agreed with them bleeding too much is because I don't feel anything. When we used to get color on TV, that was cool. It was newsworthy. You tweeted out or whatever, blood. But now it's like, oh, it's Wednesday. Mox is going to bleed. You know Mox is going to bleed in his match. That dude could be wrestling. That dude could be wrestling um, Hangman or MJF. Or that dude could be wrestling John Silver. Somehow he's going to end up bleeding in the match. And it honestly doesn't make a lot of sense. So in this match, it, it perfectly told the story because uh, Preston had made him bleed. I mean, he had made Preston bleed several times. Preston finally got some revenge, but because he bleeds every week, I don't think that story was really told. I know the announcer said it, but come on. It's just, it wasn't told physically. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was a very good physical match. I mean, it was a Moxley match. You know what I mean? It was a Claudio's excellent. You had all these excellent wrestlers in there, so it was an excellent match. And what were you going to say, sir? No, I say like, and I mean, to put a, to put a bow on this, look, you know, some people say like, well, wrestling, that's how it was done in the day. But at the same time, when you think about it, what is what is the long lasting memorable moments? Think of WrestleMania 13. Not a very memorable WrestleMania. But what do you remember? You remember Bret Hart putting Stone Cold Steve Austin in a sharpshooter and bleeding now and bleeding and passing out from the blood loss. Now, think about this. Imagine if Stone Cold every week was bleeding. Or imagine even on the same card if multiple people were bleeding. Then it just normalizes it where it's like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, And people like those stories. They still like that story, those stories. And sometimes I know we're part of like the hardcore demographic where we just accept it. But when you look at your audience and growing your audience, like those stories, that type of storytelling matters because it's like, wow, like that is a, look what just happened that's a that's a very personal deal that's a big deal like that's that's a moment you are correct and and that moment was made because they didn't allow blood on wwf it was such a big deal that stone cold bled and he bled so profusely in that moment so i, I that drives home our point in the back uh mr hangman was watching Mox on stage, as I said, kept Sabian, the Butcher and the Blade, attacked Hangman Page until the Dark Order chased him off. Wardlow had a sit-down interview with Jim Ross. The key point from this was Wardlow uh, got close with his dad, and he started wearing his hair and goatee the way he did because of his dad. Samoa Joe, because they were tag team partners, and knew he knew that story about him. So when he shaved his head... He wasn't shaving, uh, just shaving his hair. He was taking away one of his connections to his father that made this personal. So uh, my, uh, uh, MJ, um, Warlow looked into the screen and said, look into my eyes. You will not survive me. And then it was announced that Samoa Joe versus Warlow would happen at Revolution. 
Uh, the next match, we had the World Tag Team Champion, Mark Briscoe, versus the Technical Beast, Josh Woods. Um, basic match, Woods cracked Mark with a knee strike. Mark hit a Death Valley driver, then followed up with a Froggy Bull, scoring the pin on Josh Woods. What did you think of this match, JR? You know, um, Josh Woods is a great wrestler, and Mark Briscoe, as we know, is tremendous as well. You know, they're both Ring of Honor legends. I think this is, um, which I think one of the bigger news items will get to the end, but this is, I think, part of it, getting these names out there, because I think they're going to be focal points in uh, the Ring of Honor in Ring of Honor in the future. So it's good seeing them. I to me though, the one intriguing part that we need to point out is as Davari and Tony Nice were seconding uh Woods at ringside getting involved, uh the returning Lucha brothers, Ray Phoenix and Pensa Romero came out to uh essentially to help assist uh Mark Briscoe in getting rid of those uh of Davari and and Tony Nese. So I'm very interested to see what that storyline, you know, is going to, I, where that's going, because obviously it was done for a reason. Um, maybe that's for the tag team battle Royal. Maybe that's for super card of honor. We'll see. But I'm, that's the part to me that's, that stands out as intriguing. Yeah. I am very interested in what goes on there. Thought this was a solid match uh, later on in the evening. Uh, it was announced that Mark Briscoe is all elite. He is officially on the roster. What do you, what do you, what do you got to say, Jr.? It's a long. I mean, it's a long time coming. I mean, do you think about what the Briscoe brothers, you know, meant to professional wrestling, and um, and the year they had wrestling in multiple organizations, Ring of Honor, GCW, and it's just it, it's it's well. I don't want to say deserved because it was earned it was earned through years of hard work that they put in to that to professional wrestling so seeing mark briscoe get his flowers um and those in these last you know these moments you know his first match with with jay lethal and then now this one um is i think it's truly awesome and and i hope i hope whatever happens in the future um, he he is a focal point, whether it's in AEW or Ring of Honor, because again, he earned that spot. All right. Um, all I think about, I, I am so ecstatic that he's on. I just think about all the stuff, unfortunately, that we missed, you know, like on AEW TV. I mean, there could have been this time where the four, there could have been a four pillars of the tag team division. Where it would have been the Young Bucks, the Lucha Bros, FTR, and the Briscoes. Just think about that. You might be talking about the four best tag teams of the last 10 years. Uh, four best tag teams outside of WWE of the last 10 years. Uh, if you're looking at, you know, the records and stuff. I, I'm not leaving out the Usos. I'm actually a very big Uso fan. But I am focusing on the tag teams outside of WWE. That could have been a pillars of the tag team division. All the matches we could have got between those four separate tag teams. Uh, but we weren't able to because of what happened. I, and I'm not blaming anyone. It just, it, it's, to me, it's a fact that happened. He wasn't allowed to sign. 
So now we get to see what happens with Mark. And, you know, I am happy for him that he gets this opportunity. And I want to see what they do. I think he's going to, I think there there's some stories there if they want to tell them. And, you know, there's some uh, big stories there. They're always, all, they're all, you know, when these situations, unfortunately, they're always are. So there's some big stories if they want to go that way. So I'm looking forward to what they do. I'm also looking forward to what they do with the RH tag team belts. It does. Unfortunately, uh, I mean, I, I, I won't even speculate, but I'm looking forward to what they do with the tag team just to see what happens down the road. And may what it may mean for my boys if they come back. But shout out to Mark. This is his moment. Happy that he is all elite. We had a Renee Paquette in his sit-down interview with Adam Cole, which is this roster, uh, Cole, this roster stacked. And I know when I come back, I need to be prepared. All I got to say is it's going to be good for all elite wrestling, and it's going to be good for Adam Cole, baby. Um, yeah, I feel like he's coming back to be a top face in the company. That's the vibe I got from this interview. JR, did you feel any different or have want to elaborate on my thoughts? I'm gonna I'm gonna use the 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 line that we've heard um you know often is since August and that is the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist or how Houdini pulled off his tricks was with misdirection. So we're getting all the sympathy from Adam Cole, but maybe just at the right time he decides to strike and becomes one of the best heels in AEW. I should I, I meant to say top heels, not best heels. So um I I obviously it's there, but it's just man, just something doesn't feel right. Like it's it's almost like you know when he turned heel when he had his baby face run in his in his previous company and then he just turned heel at the right moment. It's just like oh he's just despicable. So I mean I'm not buying babyface Adam Cole. Like we're getting all the sympathy, but I think at the right time we're gonna see the you know the true color of, of Adam Cole baby. Yes, uh, I mean that would be one way to go to it. That would be one way to go on it. So I would like to see what they're going to do. MJF came out, had a good old talking segment. He brought Christopher Daniels out. And he's like, y'all don't know. First, he said, you don't know who the real Brian Danielson is. He's basically a, a piece of trash, blah, blah, blah. He brought Christopher Daniels out. Christopher Daniels said uh, that uh, MJF paid him a lot of money to come out here and basically run down Brian Danielson. But... And in his youth, he would have taken that money. But now he's just going to tell him how great Brian Danielson is and how violent it is and how good of a wrestler he is. MJF then gets pissed off, attacks Christopher Daniels, puts him in, um, what's that thing called? What's the arm breaker called? I call it the Fujiwara armbar. I don't know if it's called something different that uh, MJF called. He may cause it like uh, his own specific finisher, but I could just call it the Fujiwara armbar. Uh, hold on a second. Put it. Salt, Salt of the Earth, Earth armbar. Danielson uh, ran down to help Christopher Daniels while MJF retreated. So this is still leading to uh, le- leading to the Iron Man match at Revolution. Question specifically about this: Did this build or take away or have any effect on your excitement for the Revolution match? Well, I, I'm. I want to say this. I'm biased because. 
as you know, Floyd, you were there when I got this project done last year. WrestleMania 12 is one of my all-time favorite matches, the 60-minute Ironman match between Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. So knowing that both you and I are going to be in the building for a 60-minute Ironman match between what many consider is one, one of, if not the greatest professional wrestler of all time, Brian Danielson, versus one of the best heels of our era, if not the best heel of our era, MJF, to me is extremely exciting to begin with. So I'm already peaked. Uh, this, this though, this segment with, with Christopher Daniels, I don't think did anything to take away. It didn't do anything to build it more. It didn't, I think it just continued the status quo, which is let's see these guys. Uh, I think the most important things I talk about this is a lot. And when you have a blood feud like this, I like guess it's kind of been going on. The most important thing, especially when selling a pay-per-view is for them to never touch because as each week presses on and we're now, um, if I'm doing my math correct in my head, we have two dynamites left and we have three rampages left as each show passes on and you see these segments and you're just like, I can't wait. I can't fucking wait for Brian Danielson to get his hands on MJF in that match. Like it just builds anticipation and builds people wanting to buy that pay-per-view. So to me, that's the key factor in it is just, you can keep doing this stuff and you keep doing like this, maintaining the status quo of going as long as they don't touch, because when they finally do touch, when Brian Danielson finally gets his hands, he's going to have MJF for 60 minutes in the Chase Center in San Francisco. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to the match just because of my own personal excitement. But it just felt like this segment was just kind of a nothing segment to go along with it. I mean, you know, it is it is what it is. It just, yeah, you know, I don't feel like it added to anything. I hope it did for someone out there. But it just felt like, okay, this is something that we've experienced. Cool. It's over now. Like, let's go do something else. Let's <laughs> move on to the next. That's what I'm like. It, it, it's like, if you look at me, you know me. I don't ever, you know, I don't do mean. But I do, because I don't think the opposite. I don't think the opposite of love is hate. I think the opposite of love is apathy, right? That This is what this segment Made me apathetic. I just didn't care that it was happening. I didn't hate MJF. I didn't hate Brian Danielson. I was like, man, can we get to something that I actually care about? And I think that's worse than hating it. Because you tweet about stuff you hate. I wouldn't have tweeted about that segment for anything. Because I didn't care. So we get Jungle Boy Jack Perry versus ROH World Six-Man Champion, The Machine Brian Page. Uh, Brian Cage, uh, this was all what happened about what happened after the match. Uh, Jack Perry Blanet, uh, Planet Cage with the Death Valley Driver, ne Jack Nell Cage with the Crucifix Bomb, and cracked him in the back of the head with a running strike for the pin. Uh, what, uh, Jay White, uh, not, is it, not Jay White, Carrying Cross, it was called the Cross Hammer, right? And then uh, Will Ospreay has, what is his move called? The, uh, Hidden Blade. So Jack Perry has basically went to that finisher. And guess what I got to tell you, JR? I effing love it. You know why? Because the dude is so small. You know, any kind of pickup move when every type of cutter has been done. This is a move I buy knocking someone out. You get somebody vulnerable sitting on their back. You run up behind them and fucking elbow on them in the head. That's going to knock a man out no matter what. And when you turn hill or whatever, you can make it super violent. I love his finisher. What do you think of his finisher? 
Yeah, you know, and I'll say this, you know, I know there's a reason why uh, strikes to the back of the head is illegal in combat sports. It's because you can legitimately kill somebody. So when you do it, you don't like, and it's violent. And you, when you do it in a violent way, it looks, you know, it's devastating because it should look devastating because you could literally kill somebody um, by hitting them in the back of the head. Like if you ever get a shot, I'm just saying, grab, get your hand. You have the back of your head. Just run down just a little bit. You're going to feel, you're going to go from a solid skull to a very just soft, soft tender spot and i mean you you will do serious damage if you ever if you ever hit somebody there so it is it's it's a it is it may not look like much to some people oh it's just a strike that is probably the most devastating strike uh, striking finisher you know forget super kicks forget you know i love big show his but his you know knockout punch that is the most devastating striking finisher there is a professional wrestling yeah, I mean, like you could like legit kill someone like that. <laughs> like, I mean, no, for I mean, I've seen guys, and you know, as you know, Floyd and I don't know if the audience knows, but I'm I'm a big MMA fan, and I've seen people get hit in the back of the head like just once, and they get like dropped unconsciously, and it's it's a disqualification foul because the person can't continue because you've con- you have they more likely are concussed. Like it is a very dangerous thing to do. So to have that as a finisher, like, yeah, I mean, in the way they do it, it should, it is, it looks devastating. And in reality, like it is, you know, when we play on that, you know, I know we obviously, you know, wrestling's kayfabe, predetermined, all that stuff, you know, but part of that, it's like you is a sense of realism. Like, and that is a realistic thing. If you hit somebody that way, like you, you are going to knock them out. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I, I thought that was a big change to the presentation of Jack, Jack Perry. I even think, uh, you know, it's a way to take him more serious, which I have a problem with. I know there are people out there that smaller people wrestling doesn't bother at all. I understand you exist. I wish I could see things through your eyes. I really do. I am envious of you because, you know, generally when I see somebody very, very small, I don't think they can fight. So, uh, I think this adds a violent side to a very much more violent side to uh, Mr. Jungle Jack Perry after the match as he's coming up the ramp. The countdown comes out and here's Captain Charisma Christian Cage. And Christian uh, Jack Perry goes up to attack Christian even with him in the arm in the sling, which is in my eyes not very heroic. But Christian, being the wily veteran that he is, has a can of mace and he sprays it right in Jack Perry's face. And Jack is on the ground and he's burning. And Christian reveals he takes off the uh, sling. He takes off the armband. His arm is healed up. He goes and attacks Jack Perry and then drops him with the kill switch right on the right on the stage. Such a beautiful return. That was an I think this has not been talked about enough on social media anywhere. This story between Jack Perry and Christian Cage had to be put on hold. And then you had Jack Perry and Hook tag up and it seems like they just broke up and walked away from each other. And everybody's like, why? Christian was ready. That's why. Jungle Boy had something else to do now. He can finish his story with Christian Cage. 
But this was an epic comeback. Only dirtbag Christian can come back and make people boo. You know, everybody gets that comeback cheer. Christian Cage comes back, and the first thing he does is make you hate him. He's amazing. What did you think about this, sir? No, I mean, Christian Cage, legend of the sport, one of the, you know, one of the best heels in professional wrestling. He does it extremely well, especially with the way he dressed up. I mean, he looks like, in, for me, he kind of looks like Lucifer from the TV show Lucifer, but in a very a-hole way, you know, very smug. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier about not touching, well, this is something that you want. You want not the baby face to touch the heel. You want the heel to touch the baby face and the way that Christian Cage did to Jack Perry. Pummel him down, get that heat back, and then I think all roads lead to San Francisco between these two in a, you know, in a very big personal rivalry grudge match. And now that he did it and did it in the way that he did it, it's just like, okay, sh- this for, I'm going to say blend shits on. I want to see, you know, jungle boy kill Christian cage. And so, um, yeah, I mean, Christian cage, you know, before his injury, he was, I mean, he and when he was on TV, even as like being the manager for for Luchasaurus, I mean, he was people talk a lot about MJF, but they weren't. I don't think enough people were giving Christian Cage's flower because he was a despicable, you know, he I mean, think about what he did to Jungle Boy's family, his his, you know, his mom and his sister, the way he did. I mean, he was a das, you know, as Stone Cold called him, he was a dashly bastard, you know, so. You know, I, I'm re- this is a match I am looking forward to. I think, you know, some people may say no, but like when you think about the story, how long it's been going on, the per- how personal it, it's been between these two, like this is a match that, you know, we talk a lot about Jungle Boy and being one of the pillars, and but this is a match that really, especially when you think about what he did with Luchasaurus, that can propel him to say, you know what? It happened in Double or Nothing 2020. Maybe it can happen to double or nothing 2023 for the highest stakes in AEW. You know, babyface challenger Jungle Boy versus the AEW champion MJF, because this is the type of match that would propel him to that main event level. Yes, so I am looking forward to I think we're getting this Christian Jungle Boy match in San Francisco. So we're at Resolution's gonna building up to be even better. If you know, if they I, I don't see a reason why not it why it wouldn't be on there. Renee Paquette uh, backstage with the acclaim. Uh, Renee Paquette, AEW MVP. Renee Paquette. I need to say that because you know, like since she signed, I've never seen them use some woman as much. Like when they sign, she she's there like everywhere. So she's backstage with the acclaim. They announced they were invoking the rematch clause of Revolution, and it'll now be a fatal four way with the guns at Revolution. It'll be, the guns and the acclaim are in. The winner of a casino battle royal on March 1st uh, versus the winner of a revolution battle royal on February 22nd. So for all people that might get confused, they did this last year. So they're going to do a tag team battle royal next Wednesday. That person is going to get the third spot in the fatal four-way. And then, or excuse me, four-way, not a fatal four-way. Fatal four-way belongs to WWE. And then the next week, uh, there's going to be called the Revolution Battle Royal, and the tag team that wins that will then go on to be the fourth team in a four-way match at uh, at a Revolution 
which bang, 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 bang. What do you think about this whole thing? I like, I won't like, I like, what do you think about the concept, the idea of doing it every year in Revolution? Do you like this being the way that a claim gets the rematch? Okay, so quick, I think we, I think we accidentally flipped it. So next week is the tag team battle royale next week in Phoenix. Um, and then March 1st at Daily Center is the Casino Tag Royale. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Casino Battle Royale on March 1st and the winner of the Revolution Battle Royale on February 22nd. Okay. It's Maybe written, s- it's written on the thing. They did March 1st before February 22nd. I have no idea why <laughs> they did it that way. So no, uh, I wasn't confused. That's how it was written. <laughs> this is what my notes say. It's, it's backwards because they said it. Yeah, I feel you. I just want to make sure we're on the same page because we yeah, said a lot of things. I have no idea things. why they would announce the further one first. <laughs> but it's there. Um, so the one thing I, um, for me personally, and this is a personal thing, I'm not saying I'm right. You know, I will be, I will admit on this one that I, I could be 100% wrong. I'm not a fan of, you know, three-way, four-way matches um, because I, I don't like the sudden death type finish. I've always been a fan of the, like, the three-way dance that were, that ECW did where it was, like, elimination style. Um, I know some of these matches are done to put more people on the card. So, like, for example, last year there was a three-way tag team match between the champions, Jurassic Express, Red Dragon, and the Young Bucks, and then there was another one again, a double or nothing. Um, I just think you're putting people on the card for the sake of the card. I would, I would like, you know, if you know, if we're gonna go with Gun Club versus a claim in a in a one attack, you know, tag team on tag team, that's the story because you've been telling that story. When you're adding other tag teams into it, it's just you're just adding for the sake of adding. So. I personally don't like it, but at the same time, I don't want to. I don't want to say anything negative about the fact that other talent are getting shown on pay per view because that's also important. You want to showcase people, so depending on who the tag teams are, it could be a very great match. It could be a good stepping stone for a certain tag team. You know, it is what it is. I it's not my thing, but I don't think it's. I will say I do not think it will be unenjoyable. I said to a lot of negatives. So I hope I said that correctly. Okay, so yeah, that's what we're getting. Um, so we're getting the fatal four way. Uh, on on the uh, March first, uh, I'm yeah, you know, you you were talking about the cow, cow palace, but I think you misspoke and said Daly's place. And I started to get oh my bad, I meant to say Daly's Daly City because that's where the cow palace is is in Daly City, San Francisco. Right. Daly City, which is right outside San Francisco. Dude, you almost accidentally got me aroused because I was like, oh my god, it's in Daly's place. We can get the black truck driving into the ring. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I of course, I personally have not been told by anyone this. I want to make that clear. This is me speculating. That one of one of the teams, well, the fourth team, because they announced the tag team battle royal for next week, and they're not in it. That the fourth team will be FTR. I don't know how you get there or whatever, but I think the fourth team will be FTR. Maybe I'm wrong. I can live with that if I am. Uh, other speculation I've seen is Aussie Open, who said they're free agents. Which, good lord, I don't know why they're free agents. 
I'm like, like Tony Khan, what the, what the, I mean, I don't say this, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, you have ROH, you have AEW, you, you're saying you don't have a spot for Aussie Open. New Japan, your tag team division sucks. You're saying you don't have a spot for Aussie Open. WWE, oh my God, you don't have a spot for Aussie Open. There should be a bidding war for Aussie Open. There should be a bidding war. This should not be, oh, we don't have a spot to where we're saying it on Twitter. It should be literally people lining up, bowing to pay these kids money because they are that fucking good as a tag team. Okay. So I think we're going to end up still get the few face of the revolution ladder match because TK has been trying to stick to his tradition. So that would be the other tradition at revolution. So, and if, I will say this about the face of revolution. We have not heard anything about it, but I have not only decided uh, who should be in it, who should win it. It's in San Francisco. There's only one person that should be in it. And there's only one person that should win it. Do you know where I'm going? JR? Um, no, because it's I'm not time most... for the next chapter of the book of Hobbes. If Will Hobbs is going to win in San Francisco, I'm going to be upset and I'm going to get on the internet and bitch. I promise. Just tweet after tweet after tweet about how Will Hobbs got robbed and is being mistreated. Okay? Will Hobbs. Do you agree with that, JR? I mean, absolutely. He's from the Bay Area. Um, one of the things, for those of you who don't know, he um, he actually came up through the independent circle in the Bay Area. The famous all pro wrestling that was featured in um, Beyond the Mat, the late 90s documentary um, about professional wrestling. So I think it's part. If you look at Will Hobbs, Will Hobbs, we talk about the term that people are using now is glow ups. Go look at Will Hobbs when he came in AEW, and he was already a big, good looking dude then. But then go look at him now posting his workout, you know, photos and see how much he's changed his body to where he's, he's a nasty, like nasty looking big heel because he is, he looks phenomenal. Like, and I say this and what you said, if he wins a ladder match, I agree. He needs to be the first one who won that ladder match to cat to successfully win the TNT championship, because that is how you make a star with what he's done, which is in my, not, it's not the same body, obviously, because they're, they're going to look completely different. But it's to me, it's very reminiscent of what WWE has with Gunther, where he transformed his body because of how he took it serious and how great he looks for them. Well, the fact is how Will Hobbs transformed his body to look even more jacked and even more defined. He's going out there. He's a believable heel that could go and destroy everybody in that locker room. And that's including Wardlow and Keith Lee. Dude. I'm like, in my mind, I see the match going where he like beats up everybody and stacks them on top of each other and then just like casually goes up there and then takes the briefcase or chip or whatever they use. Like, the most dominant ladder match win ever. I'm like, I doubt any of this happens. I mean, let's be real. I doubt it happens, but you know, Will Hop- it's Will Hop's time. Real, uh, real quickly, just go back. So next week, we have, and I believe it's in Phoenix, the Tag Team Battle Royale. So the tag teams are best friends, Davari and Nice, Reynolds and Silver, uh, Sweet uh, Daddy Magic and Cool Hand. 
Butcher and Blade, Lucha Bros, Jay Lethal, and uh, Jeff Jarrett. Then I can complete what you're saying, which I would also get me excited if it was FTR. So I think you're going to see, I'm going to throw out a name because we haven't done predictions real quickly, but I do want to. I could, I think two, uh, I call them 2.0 still, but the Cool Hand and Daddy Magic because they're such great. I think they deserve an opportunity to be showcased. But then knowing TK, the first show at Daily, at Daily City, the Cow Palace, the uh, Revolution. Why don't, say, why don't you say Cow Palace instead of Tame the City? I don't know. It's I don't make Nobody sense. Even thinks of it. Everybody thinks of it as San Francisco anyway. Hey, you know that's the point of contention to me. You know that's the point of contention. It's it's not San Francisco. It's a different city, a different different so area. So say the Cow Palace, and then you don't so, know okay. about it. <laughs> so the Cow Palace, the, the famous Cow Palace. Uh, you know, I mean, it's the week of revolution, just like we've seen other times. Like, you know, there's going to be some surprises. There has to be surprises because we've come accustomed to surprises. So it could be the Aussie Open. It could be returning FTR because how, you know, get people more excited for revolution weekend. So uh, I and that's why I think they're doing the casino tag royales because either the Joker or one of the last tag teams is going to be a surprise entrant. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, the Elite were backstage. They were approached by Top Flight and AR Fox, who challenged them to a rematch on Rampage this Friday. We had Hangman and Kip. Nice, quick six-minute match. Hangman hits him with uh, the dead shot. Uh, the big story was more what happened after the match. Moxley uh, came out said, you're never going to beat me, uh, Hangman. You're never going to beat me again. Just give it up. And Paige is like, you're not happy with how you won. You won with a roll-up. You, like, basically escaped. And, yeah, they're going to do a Texas death match in San Francisco. Yes. Uh, I'm feeling like Juice Robinson right now. You know why? Because you're jacked? I'm rock hard. <laughs> rock hard thinking about this match. Texas death I match. <laughs> Moxley versus Paige. Fucking sign me up. Uh, uh uh, Moxley then told uh, uh, Hangman he didn't have no friends. The Dark Order came out to have Hangman's back, and he said, "I told you not to come back there." Uh, he told uh, the, you know Evil Uno said, "Shut up!" Slapped the shit out of Mox. And Mox like, "Hey," completely ignored Evil Evil Uno, and then walked out and said, "Him and Hangman are gonna finish the shit." Um, Mox versus Evil Uno. <laughs> you want to talk about? You know, old uh, WWF superstars match. We're getting Mox versus <laughs> Evil Uno next week. But, um, yeah, what did you think about this whole segment? Should they even use the Dark Order anymore? I, I mean, go go where you want, sir. <laughs> no, I just was kind of confused, like, what was the Dark Order doing? Because Evil Uno said something, and then, I mean, unless I missed something, the first thing Moxley said, Texas death. You, me, Dex's death. And I was like, okay, so what does Dark Order have to do with this? And then we find out after the fact that next week, Evil Uno's going to face Moxley. But the the Dark Order is always going to have a no, soft Mox spark. Mox completely ignored him. Just like, even the slap. He just pretended like it never happened. He just completed it like the Dark Order is irrelevant in his eyes. And that's what that whole story, that, that was the storyline right there. It was just, that's what I'm saying. It was just very weird how it happened. So it is, you know. That's but how you bury the, somebody without saying anything. <laughs> the, the hard thing, though, is at the end of the day is the, the Dark Order 
that now that we're down to three guys, you know, they still have a soft spot, you know, because people love Dark Order and what they represent, you know, being part of the late bro, late Brody Lee. So I I don't know what you do with them. I, but I say this all the time when I see them wrestle, like Reynolds and Silver are one of the best tag teams I've ever seen. They are so, they have some of the most fluid, you know, tag team combinations I've ever seen. And I really appreciate the work they do. So I don't know what you do. It's just, it's kind of, it's your, it's weird. But um, as far as the segment, I mean, I knew we we're going this way because, um, Obviously, we've seen like the one the way that we've led this feud with the knock, the concussion, and then Paige winning the way he did, and then Moxley winning. I was like, I know we're gonna get the Texas Death Match in AEW. The Texas Death Match is essentially last man standing. It's a little bit different than traditional Texas Death Match where you would have to get a three count and then the referee would count to ten, whereas last man standing is just a normal just a normal ten count. So I knew we we're getting gonna get this because essentially it was gonna be like I'm gonna knock you off for a count of ten. Um, I was always holding out because I don't know why I'm weird. I, I wanted to see a Texas bull rope match because I guess the cowboy thing, but this works too. It's going to be a fight. Somebody's going to get beat up and won't be able to answer a 10 count. See now blood is appropriate for this match. Oh yeah. I mean, they should think about it. If no one had bled in like a month and then you had this match and both of them were bleeding everywhere, it would mean so much more, right? You know what's actually going to be, you know what they should do is that Mox should not bleed, but Hangman should be the one that bleeds profusely. Yes, or neither one bleed the whole match. Just <laughs> that would even be more shocking. Mox didn't bleed. Everybody, everybody's going to be commenting on, like, oh, you know, they're both going to be busted open, right? You know, they're going to be both, both busted open, and then nobody bleeds. That'd be comical. Uh, Tony Schiavone with a backstage with Jericho Appreciation Society. Uh, basically, Jericho said, Hey, Ricky Starch, you're not getting him another match with me. Uh, and it, it's funny because uh, Jericho and his groups, whatever group he is, has somehow perfected the backwards story. Right? It started with Jericho versus Ricky Starks, and Ricky Starks already won. That's where it started. And now we're working towards them wrestling again, where guess who's probably going to win? <laughs> Yeah, yeah it's 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 a backward story. Uh, but Garcia said, Ricky, this Friday you have a match with me. Last Wednesday I beat you. This Friday I'm going to expose you to everyone that you're an absolute fraud. And I just did the pose. All right. Uh, main event time. Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho versus Tony Storm. Okay. This match started really... Uh, Tony Storm had Ruby Soho in the Texas Cloverleaf. Britt then jumps on Ruby Soho's back and puts her in the lockjaw. Soraya then comes in and basically attacks both of uh, attacks Britt. Um, so uh, so Tar- Soraya paints spray paint on Tony Storm's butt which is an L, and then she gives the hip attack to Britt. Brit. Ruby then throws Tony out the ring and hits her, uh, it was a Destination Unknown, I think that's what it's called, mm-hmm. and and then pins Britt Baker, I think only for like the second time. She's, I don't think she's ever beat her in a one-on-one match, but she pinned Britt Baker. 
So, and then Ruby looks like she's confused because everybody's saying jump our side. And then she makes the title thing like she wants to fight Jamie Hayter. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Sir, what did you think of this? It was a very weird ending. Um, I, I mean, you had three, you have three talented individuals, Britt, Ruby, and, and Tony. You obviously have, you. we all know they're having the storyline play out between, I call them the new breed, because, but everybody else calls them the outsiders. I just call them the new breed, uh, Soraya and Tony, and then you have the AEW originals, kind of Britt and Hater. Um, and Ruby's like stuck in this middle because she plays an important part of this somehow. She just wants and, to. She just wants to win a title. She just wants to win her matches. <laughs> That's where she is. Like I don't really. She doesn't care about the drama. She just wants to fight. You know. So I think. So the match happened, but I think the thing to look at is okay. Ruby's getting victories, but eventually, you know, like this is a this is like another domino, and like that she's going to end up picking the side. There, I feel like there's so many more layers to this that's going to come. Like, I don't know what the end game is actually going to be, but it's, I'm in, it has my curiosity because I love nostalgia. And when you see this, it's just like, especially when they added the green spray can, I'm like, dude, this, you just took me back to WCW Nitro 1996. Like, we're just going to spray paint everybody. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I will say this. I am confused on where this is going. I mean, I you know me, I'm a positive person. I generally don't like where it's going. But you should have an idea where it's going. You know what I mean? And not be sure. I literally have no idea where this is leaning and heading. I'm looking forward to it because I want to see where it's going and see if I like it. But right now, no, no. I will say this. You know, when we hear see stories, so we have MJF and Dan- and Brian Danielson story, right? We have Christian Cage and Jungle Boy story, and we have MJF and I'm excuse me, we have a Moxley and Hangman. I'm messing myself up. We have these stories. Let, let me say this again: Christian and Jungle Boy, MJF and Danielson, Moxley Hangman, and everything looks like like it's going to hit a definitive point at Revolution. This story, though, looks like we're still in the infancy of it, where this is going to go past, like, this is a long, this is going to be like a longer build. This is going to be, you know, the slower burn. So this is going to go past revolution towards probably double or nothing. So I think what we're seeing is, like, it's not clicking because there's so many more chapters that are going to be written over the course of multiple weeks of of uh, dynamite and rampage, like I don't think we're gonna hit anything significant going towards revolution. Okay, all right. Well, I me... could, I could be wrong. Like I'm, I'm not saying there won't be a match. Like I could see Hater versus Storm or Hater versus Page happen at Revolution, or maybe they do a tag match. But I, I don't think like you're gonna see like up some sort of like, like blow off. You're, you're, like we're still like in you know we're still have a long ways to go in the story build. I think. Okay. Okay. I mean, and I can accept that it's just like I said. I, I, I'm, I generally, I've seen a lot of wrestling, so you know, I can generally tell where a story's going. I am lost, which may be a good thing. We will see. We will see. 
going. Well, through. I will say to I will say add one more quick thing. The other thing too is that we we see this and we see nostalgia. So when you see Tony Storm and Soraya being the outsiders, which essentially is Hall and Nash of the NWO, you immediately start thinking, okay, well, who's going to be the third person? So then you you start looking and you're trying to make these connections, but because of the where we're at right now, it's just like I I see what you're saying is like. I don't know what the direction is. Like, I think people have guesses, but in reality, like we really don't know where they're going to go with this. Yeah. And we don't know how many people are going to be involved in it either. Like, because people are talking about four on four, five on five. People are talking about this could be the first ever woman blood and guts. Like we generally, we have no idea where we're just jumping to these, these assumptions because we see certain things that trigger, like trigger multi, multiple women involved, trigger those nostalgia memories and trigger well what is aw's biggest biggest group like blow off which is blood and guts so yeah i mean that's why it's so weird no i i feel sorry for mr tony khan if he doesn't deliver women's blood and guts at this point because yeah it's pretty much the fan base has built this that this is happening they have done nothing to tell you it's happening, but the fan base has decided this is happening. And you know, unfortunately, that is something that that happens, especially with the AEW fan base. Their fans will decide something's going to happen. And when it doesn't happen, even though there's nothing that really leads it to believe that, nothing, no one says blood and guts or anything, uh, if it doesn't happen, then it's like, oh, this is all your fault. You're a terrible place. Why'd you lie to us? Yeah, so, yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, what did you think about Dynamite in general? If you had to give it a letter grade, what would you give this? Ooh, that is a great question. I think match-wise, I'd probably give it a B because there was some, like, I really enjoyed the Roosh match. Um, the um, Left Faction England, I see, I'm going to try to say it. I'm going to mess it up. Ingobernable. And which is as as you know, I'm you know I am like full blooded Mexican. I should be able to say this, but unfortunately, I have like the worst Spanish in the world because my parents never wanted to teach me Spanish, and I I feel embarrassed when I try to talk in Spanish because I have broken uh, Spanish. But um, I enjoyed that match. Uh, you know, there's a lot of fun parts of it, so it's a very enjoyable. But I think what happens is this. So last week was the the championship fight night or whatever i can't try to remember the name of it where like you had every match i think was like a title match so sometimes shows are gonna dip down and i think this show was based on who was involved was considered a dip down um and it's just sometimes it happens it happens in sitcoms and comedy and and, you know television shows like where you have an episode even movie sequels, like you have an episode that this is to get us to next week. This there's nothing significant that's probably going to happen. This is just to get us to next week. This was to get us to Phoenix, Matt, uh, a show of AEW Dynamite. I'm so upset with you because you literally just stole my point. Like everything you said, this was an episode to get to the next episode. I'm not going to go through it again because there's no reason to say something when someone says everything that you said. So 
Yes, I agree with Jr. That's what I add well, to this topic. Uh, which, this this is what happens when we do everything at shoots, man. We, when it's a shoot, it's just you know this is what happens. Yeah, so I agree with what he said. Uh, we got the AMP, a, 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 AEW Rampage and Laredo preview. This is Friday night. This has happened. Uh, I'm pretty sure the spoilers are out there somewhere. I have not read them. So if I'm talking about something and you're like, oh, that's not what happened. Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't read it. I was I, I, I walked in last night from the parade with two hours of sleep and 30 hours. I You know what? I thought Dynamite, the part that I saw, wasn't very good. But I thought I was just too tired, right? And then I started reading the things today after I slept a little. And I'm like, oh, I wasn't the only one that thought it. And then I finished it and I was just like... That was an episode of a TV show. So, AEW Rampage, I have not read ahead. So, uh, we got the Elite versus AR Fox and Top Flight. We have Jade Cargill versus Vert Vixen. We then have two matches that I would honestly, I mean, we have three out of our four matches I consider dynamite quality. Uh, so, first we had the Elite, AR Fox, and Top Flight. Then we got Ricky Starks versus Daniel Garcia. I hope they get a little time to show what they can do. And then we get Swerve Strickland versus Dustin Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes uh, defending the Rhodes family name. So, JR, uh, the Rampage, Rampage, you're up, you're, you're nine o'clock on Friday night. Uh, you can go see Ant Man or you can watch an hour of this Rampage. Which one are you doing? <laughs> Why do you. <laughs> I mean, uh, isn't isn't that what the average person is gonna decide tomorrow night? Yeah, and you know, I'm, you know, I'm anything but average because of of my thoughts on movie theaters. Yeah, but I'm just saying, it, it's just you thinking about it. It's like uh, that's on, when you have a show on Friday night, you're not necessarily competing with other well, wrestling. Well, this and this show is gonna be at uh, seven central, uh, seven, seven eastern, six central, four Pacific. <laughs> Yeah, so I will be trying to find a way to how to watch this at work because I will still be technically working tomorrow. So, yes. <laughs> um, no, but um, I'm just saying, you taking Ant Man or Rampage? Which one are you? Taking? I, I mean, you're, you're taking you're taking Ant Man. I mean, yeah, I mean, take- <laughs> I mean, this is a solid show, but to me, it's not a reason to stay home. You know what I mean? Very solid show. Uh, I, th- I think in this case, this isn't a reason to go home early. Is <laughs> this this this, <laughs> this show? Yeah, um, yeah which, I mean, I, it works to my advantage because. I get to watch this, watch SmackDown, and then go see Ant Man. So I get to do it all. Um, you know what? This show, it's I think in some ways because this is so this is AW Sand Dunk, as we know it's a special time, seven seven o'clock Eastern, four four uh PM Pacific. Cause if I'm not mistaken, similar to last year, this will lead into the NBA All-Star Weekend activities, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, I believe so, the rookie, the Michael Jordan rookie, or, yeah, Jordan Brand rookie challenge is, will be after. I, as I jokingly say, I don't know. I don't follow fake sports like basketball. It's oh, a joke. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I think part of this is done to, to showcase certain talent. I mean, the elite are three of the biggest names in AEW, and they're going and they're having a rematch with Top Flight AR Fox because they those guys are going to do what they do best and that is they're going to tear down the house doing you know their their flips and high spot moves and that's what people love so i think that makes a lot of sense why they're doing it i think you know you obviously want a match that i think people are going to um like the daniel garcia and daniel garcia 
and Ricky Starks. So this match is being done because this is the one where you the rivalry that you gotta have buy-in in. You want to showcase Jade Cargo. I'm sorry, Vertivix, and you're you know you're gonna get squashed because it's Jade Cargo. So we, this is to showcase you know the amazing, the amazing uh, Jade Cargo, and then with Swerve and Dustin, um, this is something to keep Swerve busy as as eventually we're gonna get to um, you know we know he's gonna eventually get to Keith Lee. But Keith Lee's out injury, so and I love Dustin. He's a great wrestler, and this one I'm actually excited for because Swerve has has a stand has a style that I think complements Dustin in the way he wrestles. Dustin, I don't care how old he is, he's still one of the best wrestlers because he has the natural ability, which is why he was nicknamed the Natural. So um, I'm actually looking forward to that. So um, I, and I think the i think the goal tony has is that hopefully people may be tuning into this as they await nba you know all-star game weekend so we may see some things hopefully um that may be different we may see further progression storylines as i said we only have three more rampages until um until revolution all right i think this is a very solid show i am at this point in time I need I need Jade to have a challenger. I don't know who it is. I need her to have one. They need to do something. I mean, they're at this point in time. The streak is great, and I know people wanted to break it. But even if she gonna break it, give me somebody. Give me somebody that I I believe can break it. You know what I mean? Give me a group of people that maybe attack her. Maybe something. I don't know. And again, I have not read ahead, so. This has already happened, and I'm talking about it. I don't know it happened, so I just I want to throw that out there because I feel like some people are going to listen to the show and they are going to read ahead and they're like, "You, you stupid idiot!" You know, this is what happened. Yeah, I I don't read ahead. I really don't. I I I try to. If I read what's going to happen on Rampage, I am ninety nine. There's a ninety nine percent chance I won't watch Rampage. Oh, absolutely. I, I, one of the things I say is I hate, I hate taped wrestling because for me, it's about the buildup. The issue with tape wrestling is that typically because of the internet, it gets spoiled. So it's like, well, if I don't, if I know what happens, it kills all the buildup and I want to watch it. I will say though, um, when you mentioned Jade, I was actually thinking about Jade earlier because I saw a post she had and I was like, man, this girl didn't get to 101 because, you know, when you, when you go through a streak like that, you think of everybody that she's already beaten. Then you and the way that she beat them, so she's a dominant champion. Then you think about who she hasn't wrestled, right? Well, most of the people she hasn't wrestled, they're all tied up in this, you know, originals versus outsider storyline. So there doesn't seem like a lot of prospects. And this is one of the ones where people say, like, well, it's going to be somebody coming in from outside the company. It's like, well, because you kind of left them no choice because she went through everybody in your company. She's going to be 100-0, and uh, and 17 of the matches are going to have been Red Velvet. So, and then the 15 is going to be Kira, and then 19 against Leva Bates. That's going to be the 100, okay? Um, So, yeah, give me somebody. Give me somebody. Go find somebody on the indies. Bring somebody in. Let them get the best of Jay so I believe Jay can actually lose. So, yeah. But, yeah, star. Star. Automatic. So that is our AEW Rampage Laredo preview. Um, news and notes. Uh, 
One is, uh, I'm going to let JR go off on a rant. And, yeah, and then we're going to end the show with some Fight Forever talk, a question about Fight Forever. And But first we're going to start with the guns. We're going to got those three subjects to end the show in our news and notes. The guns, what did you think about them becoming tag team champions, sir? Okay. I want to preface with saying I like um, – the gun club as human beings. I got a chance to meet Austin and Colton. They're really cool guys. They're talented, um, especially on the mic. Uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, it's it's Austin. The is it Austin the one that's the the rapper? Yes, Austin's rapper. And he's you know he's a cool guy, very fun. But when you think about what they have done recently in AEW and what they've done the year, they've been the you know. On television, and I know people talk about dark and elevation, but let's be honest, like there is not a significant population of people that watch dark and elevation compared to watching dynamite. Um, there's a huge drop-off. And so when you think of the talent they've wrestled on television, they're not on television that often. And when they are, they're typically losing. So and when you look at the other talent they've had in the past, and I'm talking about private party, I'm talking butcher and the blade, even with the way you position uh daddy magic and cool hand you know and these individuals are people that you could build on to be somebody because you put you know at one point you put time and effort in them and uh, there's a like the butcher and blade has a they had a big fall and they have a great look as being nasty heels and i don't think you know people got mad at you know the gun club watching at becoming champions and i was listening to ftr dax comment and he goes well people were upset and i'm like yeah they were upset and i love you dax but i don't think they were upset in the way that you're like that's heat i think they're upset and the fact is i don't like this and i don't want to see this at all that's two different things obviously as you know because you're the legend of the sport but i just personally i thought it was a wrong move i thought it was a bad move especially if it's just to get the belt backs on the acclaim why are we doing this this doesn't make sense i don't think people are enjoying this and it left it just really left a bad taste in my mouth. I just, you know, it was it was as egregious as that flag in the Super Bowl. Okay. <laughs> um no, uh that's the way you keep the topic hot. Um when I was presented the tag team division uh in AEW. Uh, the Young Bucks said on the stadium uh, at uh, on the st- podium in Jacksonville, Florida, that tag team wrestling could be main event wrestling, that they came to change the world. First tag team champions, uh, SCU, they had been at All In. They'd been in the Ring of Honor. The, uh, it's the three. Uh, it's Kaz, Daniels. And uh, Scorpio, first black champion in AEW. Okay. Second champions, Hangman. And uh, Hangman and uh, Kenny Omega. Two stars. Two of the biggest stars in the company. Got hot. Everyone liked it. Cool. All right. Yes. Main event. I could see using them in the main event. Third tag team that holds. The greatest tag team to ever hold the uh, tag team titles in AEW, FTR. Okay, FTR. To me, at that point, significant stand step up. Uh, that was the first time that you could argue 
what might be the best tag team in the world was the AEW Tag Team Champions, right? You know, they're in the conversation. Maybe, you know, maybe you believe it, maybe you don't. Next tag team, the Young Bucks. Oh, yeah, Nick and Jack and Matt. Again, conversation may be the best tag team in the world, right? So great, right? So great. Lucha Bros. Hey, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Maybe the best tag team in the world. Then there has been a bit of a drop-off. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, very talented, very good. But I don't think anybody's arguing that they're the best tag team in the world. Are you, JR? No. All right. Next team was Swerving Our Glory, right? Again, is anyone arguing that they're the best tag team in the world? No, and on, to make matters worse, they're a makeshift tag team. Yeah, makeshift tag team. Basically a storyline tag team. Again, then, then we go to the acclaimed. Now, are the acclaimed the best tag team in the world? No, no, absolutely not. But were they the hottest tag team in the world? I felt like significant setup. They've been a tag, presented as a tag team. They were hot. You had to go with the scissoring thing. It's it was just working. Them and Billy Gunn, one in a million act. It is it's killing. It was a a homegrown AEW act. Absolutely put the title on them. Right again. Makes sense. Now the Gun Club. Complete storyline title win. No one's arguing that they're the best tag team in the world. They're not the most best tag team on most Wednesdays. Right? I you know this is nothing personal to Austin and Colton. They every time I've met them, they've been nice. They always say hi. I say hi to them. Super talented. They are probably the future of tag team wrestling, right? They're just not there yet. And he's like, are, are you angry? I'm not angry that they're heels that won. Because, let's be real, they're cheating. Uh, it wasn't that great. It was just like, uh, you know, Billy Gunn got them a match. You would almost think that Billy Gunn was going to turn on the acclaimed. And if that happened, I would be more okay with this tag team reign. But how it happened just seemed like it didn't make sense. And again, I was told that there was this vision that tag team wrestling could main event big shows. Are you maining eventing any show, including Dark or Dark Elevation with the guns? JR? No. And you know what? I, I want to give it, I'll give this analogy. To me, because again, the way they presented, this is like going back to 2017 when Jinder Mahal, who was essentially a jobber, was fired and then came back to WWE, defeated Randy Orton to become WWE champion. And everybody was just like, I can't believe they did that. It it just it I mean, I'm not I don't want again, I say this and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but this is like these guys are like a bathroom break because that's the way that you've had them for so long. You have like the reason why the acclaim works is because you built them. You built them from being like essentially almost jobbers and they were comical to like they were getting so much like so much fan drawn when they started doing the scissorings. And then you slowly started getting momentum to where 
when you finally got to a point where like they had to win, they had to win the titles. And that's the difference with the gun club is like you literally present to them in a very poor way. When you think of the fact is you're going to put the belts on them. They weren't on TV that often. And then they just happened to get this match. And then they win and completely kind of like derail the claims momentum. And I mean, if you had built them up for like, for months and be like, yay, man, these guys are heels like they deserve. But it just, it was just like a very out of nowhere, like, ah, let's just put the belts on them today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and like, I can't disagree. It's just, I am not a never with the guns. I plan on the guns being one of my favorite tag teams going forward, especially after FTR retires. Because I, I love them. I think they're talented. I think they have a look. It's it, it, was, it was more of not ever. It was not now. Not now. You weren't even built up enough as a heel tag team to win the tag belts. ROH tag team titles as heels? Sure. Not this belt. Not that way. I feel like it was a shot to the tag team division. Maybe I'm supposed to be angry and hope they lose the title. I'm more like, okay, give me what you promised with this tag team division. Give me what was foretold with this tag team division. All right. Before we get to JR's uh, mic drop ending show rant, uh, AEW Fight Forever invades IGN FanFest on February 17th at 11.51 Pacific time, two fifty one Eastern. How do you like that old? They put in the Pacific time first. How you like that, Jr.? As somebody who uh, rides and dies in, in the West Coast, I really appreciate that because that way I know I'm getting on my time. Yeah, me and Jr. have both speculated that this is going to be the game announcement, which I'm very excited about. And you know, my excitement has not went down. I've even said I'm not even buying the WWE 2K game, the first game that I'm gonna. Uh, have Cody Rhodes play on will be the AEW game when it's time. I'm going to have a great tag team. My tag team champs are going to be Cody Rhodes and CM Punk. Boom. And that's just a joke because, you know, they're not there anymore. Um, yes. This, this game was announced that it was coming in 2020. We are now 2023. I could go a long list of things that were happening when this game was online, but when this was announced, I don't even think me and you were what we would call friends yet. We were getting there, but I don't think we were friends yet. This was like the middle of the pandemic, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, we're talking about, like, I'm trying to find the actual, like, the actual date it was, like, reported that it was going like, to, like, oh, like October, we're making... right? It was, I think it was, like, October. Uh, um. I, I'm quickly searching and I'm not finding anything, but it's just, it's, it's one of those things where I think uh, they did the announcement of this was part of the um, AEW games. They did the three announcement thing. Yeah, with, and it was Kenny, it was uh, Kenny Omega, it was, um, uh, um, and Aubrey, right? All dressed as Steve Jobs. Yes. So, you know, what happens is um, major. We, we talked about this question before, so you've had time to formulate your answer. And so we don't talk a lot before you actually answer it. Has AEW fight forever as far as a game missed its window? 
I don't I don't think so. And the reason I'll say this. The hard part is that yes, in the beginning you have a lot of excitement. And that that has since declined because as time moves on, people, you know, people lose interest. But a the thing about AW makes it so successful is they have such a dedicated fan base that will buy this game. Honestly, even if it's just the sake of buying it and getting an autograph so they can have in their collect in their collection. Um, I think the hard part though is where what is the release date? How is that in regards to um WWE's release date? As we know, WWE's next game is being released next month in March. And then what other games are being released at the same time? Because you also have the one thing to remember is People know what to expect from WWE, especially when they kind of did their revamp when in um with 2K 2023. I think I said that that title correctly. But you are a new game. No one knows what to expect from you. So they're going to have to make take out on limb that hey, am I gonna pay my 50, 60, 70 dollars on this game? Is this game gonna be worth it? And that's a very, you know, for some people, that's a kind of a hard thing to do where they may say on release date, I don't know if I want to give them that kind of money until I see something. Um, it's not like the old days where you could download demos and get a chance to look at a demo before you buy it. So I think they'll do well compared to if it was like anybody, any other wrestling game that wasn't a WWE brand. But it's I just think it's, you know, it's gonna be such a hard market because of that, of you know how many people are gonna buy wrestling games? I think that's what it is at the end of the day. It, I and the re- as I say that I remember when EA Sports tried to break into M- trying to do MMA. Well, UFC was UFC. Like they had like a, they already had uh I think they were on their second game release when EA did theirs and EA had names. But it was nothing like WWE. It wasn't anything like UFC, and they struggled, and they never made another one again. So I think it's gonna be it is gonna be a rough go. But I think they will do better than um, than any other brand new wrestling game would have done. That was a very long winded answer. I'm sorry. No, that was great. All I'll say is it better be an amazing game. With this long, if you come out and there's glitches. If you come out and, you know, the gameplay is not smooth or anything like that, it could be the end of the game because we waited this long. Unfortunately, with that anticipation, the the ex- expectation of perfection is very high right now. So, Okay, I found be, it. They're going to be like, hey, it's our first game. But I'm like, yeah, but it's been three years, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Okay. I did find it. November 10th, 2020 is when they did it. So that's when they when it came out the AW games and announced their gaming console game as well as two mobile games. I believe that was a week before or three a few days before FTR versus Young Bucks at Full Gear. If my math is correct. <laughs> So, we're going to end the show with an amazing, amazing thing. Well, you forgot one of the news. I know we're all things elite, but as announced, at the end of February, Ring of Honor is going to do tapings in Orlando. 
And I think tickets just went on sale today as we're talking because I have a friend who said that they're going to the show at, in Orlando. It's actually, from what I just what I found out as an updated flyer, it looks like to be Ring of Honor and a combination of AEW Dark tapings on February 27th 20, and February 28th. And the first show will be released on uh, uh, Ring of Honor On Demand's streaming service on Thursday, March 2nd. So we are going to get five... If I did my math correctly, five episodes of Ring of Honor television before Supercar of Honor in L.A. Yes, and it's three different sessions. Uh, the first session is at 6 Eastern on the 25th, and that is going to be an ROH taping, session one. The session two will be at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, and that's going to be an AEW Dark taping. And then at 7 p.m. Eastern that night on the 25th, that is going to be the second ROH session. So that's how they're going to do it. And yes, you're going to have to be on Honor Club to get these ROH shows, from what I understand. So, yeah, go ahead and get to, I have to sign up for Honor Club because, you know, I kind of do this for the show. So <laughs> I will uh, sign up for Honor Club right before when those shows come out. Uh, okay, now I want to end because I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> JR. I would like your thoughts on AEW not announcing FanFest yet for San Francisco. Go. I, I I hate when you do this. I feel like you know I gotta say this and blow up because it's like you're because of how you rate out. But about this epic rant. But this is the thing, and this is what I get frustrated. And I'm and it's anybody that puts on events. And I think of AEW because people love to travel for AEW. When you look at events, when you go traveling, you pay for hotels, you pay for airfare, and then you have to pay for tickets. These things cost money. And the whole foundation of AEW, when it was created, was people traveled. People traveled for, I know it's like the precursor to AEW, people traveled for All In. People traveled for Double or Nothing in Vegas. People traveled for All Out. Uh, it, the first all out in 2019, people traveled for the first uh, dynamite taping, dynamite show in Washington, D.C. And if I'm not mistaken, somebody that I'm doing this podcast with was one of those people that traveled from Oklahoma City to Washington, D.C., if, if I'm correct. Literally so, everything you said, I was at. So, people, these things cost money. People just don't be like, oh, all of a sudden, I have, oh, I got a couple grand laying around for me just to go happen to go on vacation. So, we like to. You know, people want to plan and say, hey, I need to know I need to save up for this or they try to, you know, to go make those plans around it. In addition to that, you know, there's things called destinations. San Francisco, for example, is a destination. It's a tourist area, whether it's Fisherman's Wharf, whether it's Alcatraz, whether um, whether people want to try to go into wine country. It's a destination thing. In fact, I'm taking my wife to San Francisco for revolution because it's her birthday weekend. So we're going revolution and we're also trying to plan to do tourist things. It's a first world problem. I know, but bear with me, people. So doing this Saturday, we literally have a gaping hole in our schedule because we're still trying to figure out what are we doing for FanFest. And we also figure out how much money we're going to spend for FanFest because we want to be a part of the wrestling community and do things with wrestling. But at the same time, we want to do other things. So it would be nice for the sake of people planning, people who are coming into town, people who may want to meet talent because there may be somebody who does live in California and says, hey, I want to, I want to come in, but I can only come in on Saturday 
uh, Saturday for the show. But all of a sudden, if Kenny Omega is doing a signing, they may say, you know what? You know, I'm going to sacrifice. I'll come in on Friday because I want to meet Kenny. So letting people know ahead of time, and in fact, I had a conversation from somebody who lives back east saying, man, I kind of want to go to Revol- – I kind of want to do this, but I want to know if FanFest is going to go on so I know if I need to fly in early or not. Like, I feel like you're hurting your product because you're so – you know you have, like, a dedicated audience that's going to buy tickets. But think about how much more tickets you would sell if you announce things ahead of time, especially with FanFest. Like, I think you're leaving money on the table. And again, this isn't just an AEW thing. Like, you, Floyd and I have had the same conversation about WrestleMania access. Like, what are we going to do when we go there? Because we're going for Supercard of Honor. We're going for we're going for WrestleMania. What are we doing for this? Because we don't know yet. We need to know how much money we need to set aside. Like, we want to invest in you, uh, but we also have other things to invest. Another one, which Floyd didn't bring up, but I'll throw this out. AEW announced they're going to the UK. When are you going to the UK? Are you going in quarter two, 2023? Because that's around the corner. Are you going in quarter three, 2023 or quarter four, 2023? We know you're going, but when? Because guess what? People want to travel there. People want to go to London to see AEW because of everybody, everybody, including myself, have talked about how great the European crowds are. So letting people know ahead of time, and say, hey, you have this much time to plan, so get your affairs in order instead of saying, hey, guess what? Tickets go on sale in a week, so you better figure that shit out. Like, It's very helpful for people who want to plan and make something out of this because like, this is what we love. We love wrestling, but some again, on top of that, like, we also have other priorities. So when we see something comes up on, the, on a calendar and we have enough time to prepare like we will make efforts to go, but when you spring shit up on us at the last minute, it makes it very difficult because we may not have the financial resources to make it work. Again, I know it's first world problems, but at the end of the day, isn't going to a wrestling show a first world problem? And I, as promised, I am not going to object to anything you just said. I do. I wish they would announce London. Um, I will say this because London was not announced. This is going along the lines with you. I pretty much decided that I'm not going. <laughs> and it's uh that it's not something that makes me happy personally. I, I you know, I, I definitely wanted to be at the first show in London, but other things are coming up and and I have to tell people and tell my friends no because you know what? I'm trying to make London happen. But and they're like, well, so when's London? And I'm like, I don't know. But I, so I have to keep my whole summer schedule open. Because I want to go to London. Well, today something came up that, you know, for me, I can't miss. So I'm going to go ahead and do that instead. And then I'm going to be able to go because of that, because I'm deciding off against London. I can now go to SummerSlam in Detroit, which I wasn't going to go to because I was going to London. Remember when I said no? I said that to JR. So, yeah, AEW, I'm not saying announce on sale dates, but you should really release your schedule as far out as it goes. You know what I mean? As far out as you got. Like, right now, they announced uh, Detroit for May 10th and uh, Austin, Texas for May 17th. Great. Tickets go on sale March 3rd. Everyone has time to save up for those tickets to go on sale. That's great. But yeah, I'm pretty sure you've set up dates after that. Let everybody know what's going on. Information is... Information, uh, giving your fans information... Is power to let them plan. Like, like I said, if I knew the day London or whatever event was in London, I'd already have my plane tickets. 
hotel, everything ready for London. But because it's now starting to get there, and I've literally never traveled internationally, I want plenty of time to decide what I'm going to do. So that is me agreeing with the wonderful JR. JR, I'd like to thank you for joining us this week. I appreciate any time you can be on the show. I like that we had a little window so we can rant a little bit. So if the show's a little long, yeah, we don't have shit else to do. So that's why it's a little long. So uh, there you go. Um, yeah. JR, um, you want to leave anybody with anything? Um, I will say this. If if you see me and Floyd in... Uh, in san francisco uh please you know stop say hi to floyd and i um you know i'm I'm trying to get out of my show as as much as i talk on here and i rant and say shit that you may or may not agree with uh outside of this like i'm a very introverted person um for me i'm it's easier to talk in front of a hundred to five thousand people because I I've done that in school, but like trying to talk to people on a one-on-one basis is like a very scary thing for me. And you can ask Floyd that like when I first met Floyd, when I first met Floyd and our friend Tiffany, I was like, hi, I'm JR. I just wanted to say hi. Like I, it's not my thing to see people one-on-one. I'm used to talking in front of a classroom, you know, where I just see just heads. So, um, but please stop by, say hi. I, I can't wait for revolution weekend. Um, because it's uh, San Francisco. Um, I've never been to, I, I know there's a lot of, Good eats, um, as Floyd will tell you, both of us are doing our fitness journeys, and I've been on a, a very strict one, so I'll be having a good time with my wife and Floyd um, when we're out there, eat, you know, getting our, uh, for me finally breaking my, uh, getting done my fitness competition and breaking my diet for a couple of days and celebrating. So, yeah, stop by, say hi. Can't wait to see everybody. If you see me in San Francisco, it'll be at Ghirardelli getting straight chocolate wasted. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going all deep. I am ruining all my diets. I'm going to have to go on a fast for like a week to undo the damage I do in San Francisco. That's actually a joke. I've actually shrank my stomach so much. I eat a comically small amount before I get full. So, but I am going to have fun that weekend. I'm not going to be uh, doing anything weird. I'd like to thank everyone that tuned in for listening. Sorry about the break. Um, Me and Austin have talked about it. We're going to try to stop doing this. So you may hear JR a little bit more. Uh, coming forward just uh, uh, to give Austin a break because he works very hard. Uh, I, I, I'm going to try to get Sir Sam on here. Uh, Sir Sam, uh, yeah, uh, with his uh, AEW working champion, I'd love to get him on the show and him explain what the working champion is and everything to go on that. Uh, I believe I'm going to be on a podcast and we're going to kind of be doing a Cody Redux, like everything that led him up to eventually main eventing uh wrestlemania so like the the quintessential cody matches that led to him uh main eventing wrestlemania so i'm i love talking cody i mean this show would be called all things cody but he you know yeah i don't think that would draw the same but uh i thank you all for listening again make sure you're enjoying your weekend taking care of yourself uh physically as well as mentally um, make sure you're taking care of you and your family and all that stuff and watching as much wrestling as possible. So I will leave you like I always leave you. Go see Ant-Man 2. And whether it is home, work, or school. See, I said Ant-Man 2. Ant-Man 3. Go see Ant-Man 3. Home, work, or school. Always do your best to be elite.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.